from WHQR Public Media, this is the Newsroom. I'm Ben Schockman. Thanks for joining us. I'm here with my colleague Kelly Kinoyer to unpack our town hall for candidates for New Hanover County's Board of Commissioners. This was an October 12th event we put on with our colleagues at WECT and Port City Daily. And now Kelly is here to help me unpack everything that went down over this very busy and occasionally intense 90-minute town hall. Kelly, thanks for being here. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun, I'm not going to lie, and I did get a little sweaty from anxiety towards the end there because there were some spicy questions, but you'll have to stay tuned to hear all about that. Yes, I have heard it said that politics is a contact sport. So anyway, let's recap some of the highlights. First off, I think we got to talk about housing and land use. It's no secret that the Wilmington area is dealing with nothing short of a housing crisis. And one of the first questions we asked was for candidate Leanne Pierce about how she would support renters during the housing crisis as someone who has experience with the landlord. Of course, uh, Leanne Pierce is a Republican candidate. She's a small business owner and former uh, council member and um, mayor of Carolina Beach. So here's what Leanne Pierce had to say. Yes, and that is one of the major issues facing New Hanover County is the um, lack of affordable housing, I think is what you're touching on there. And I am in the hotel business, which is more tourism related, and I have been a landlord as well. So it is very difficult. You can't restrict what landlords are charging, but it's a supply and demand issue. We need to find more creative ways to have more housing in New Hanover County and bring more better paying jobs to New Hanover County so that our citizens can afford to stay here. That's part of the problem. So many people are moving here because it's such a desirable place. We need to have more creative things uh, in place. Um, one of which with the Wilmington Realtors Foundation is currently doing what I call the missing middle um, on Carolina Beach Road. They're working on 44 units and that is a well needed uh, swath of our society is the missing middle, which will be our firefighters and our police officers that don't qualify for tax credit housing and that they would um, be, uh, it's not subsidized housing there, but it is a reduced rent housing. So I think that is a real creative way to look at um, moving forward. Um, I think that we need to look at our public-private partnerships um, with our housing uh, developers that do our tax credit housing and help our citizens learn how to qualify for that tax credit housing. That's one of the things that I've seen the most of is people don't know what's available to them and they don't know how to get it, they don't know where to get it, and they don't know how to apply. So I think that's where having some assistance um, helping those folks uh, get in those housing is important. So I think that was kind of an interesting answer from Leanne Pierce. Uh, Historically, she's fallen kind of along the Republican line of this is a private industry and private market solutions are primarily her angle. But as you heard, she was talking a lot about tax credit projects. She was talking about a few private projects that are aimed at dealing with this. But I do think it's interesting. I think she's moved a little bit to the left on this and is more interested in government approaches to try and deal with the housing crisis. Yeah, I think a couple things are happening here. One is that the right has actually come to the affordable housing issue a little bit. And you can tell when the framing includes police officers and firefighters. Initially, when we heard about this issue from the left, they would often focus on service industry workers and teachers. But it's very hard as a conservative candidate not to be sensitive to the plight of law enforcement. You know, you can't ignore that. And when you've got Wilmington police officers who have to live in Hampstead and Pender County or Leland and Brunswick County because they cannot afford to live in the city that they are sworn to protect, that's a problem. So that's one of the things that's going on here. The other issue is many people had talked about the plight of homeowners. And usually that's something you can deal with through property tax, but but that was a main focus. Renters is a different issue because you cannot solve the issue of Wilmington's renting class just by bringing in better jobs because Wilmington relies so heavily on the hospitality industry. 
So these are people who will never work at Encino or Vantaka or any of these well-paying tech industry people because Wilmington requires people to serve you your drinks, to check you into your hotel because we are a tourism-driven city. You know, we actually had a follow-up question for Leanne Pierce based on that. Um, in previous forums, there was a housing-specific forum. She was a little bit more towards the we need to uh, address firefighters, that kind of thing. I think that she recognized that in this answer. But the follow-up question was sort of designed around the expectation that she would talk about higher wages. So we asked her about the higher wages, and she said that that is something that has to come to prior uh, to private industry to decide. If you own a hotel, she said, like she does, you have to raise your wages in order to draw people because otherwise they're not going to be able to afford to work there if they're driving in from Hampstead, like you said. Yeah, um, a whole other issue for a whole other podcast, but there's definitely a reckoning coming to the service industry, which we've started to see. Absolutely. But let's move on and talk about Tom Toby. Now, you asked Republican candidate Tom Toby, he's a former firefighter and EMT, uh, a question about housing. That's right. I asked him about how his platform will address the needs of renters, in particular housing burdened renters. Well, we're back to a supply and demand issue. And I'm not against building more apartments. It's like putting the apartments in the right places. The reality is, the truth is, the county does not have a whole lot of authority to do much for affordable housing other than spending your tax dollars to either subsidize on the front end buying land, material, paying contractors, or subsidizing on the back end in paying part of rents to help with renters in this area. And it's, it's not a issue that we're going to come up with a magic bullet answer on if it's even within the realm of the county commission to find that solution. We're talking about trying to regulate private industry, private business. And again, that's not something that the county commission really has uh, bearing over. Follow-up question for you. Uh, the county does have bearing over zoning, and zoning is what determines where apartment buildings can go. So are there areas where you think residential land that's currently being used for single-family homes could be converted into apartments or denser housing to accommodate all of the people who need housing in this county? Well, again, there's been several projects for high-density apartment construction that have been approved. The city of Wilmington has approved over 2,000 new apartment units within the city limits in the last three to four months. The issue with that is when they do that, which is good, we need the apartments, but we also have a landfill that is running out of space. It is down from 78 years to 23 years of capacity. What are we going to do then? The city is the one that's approving this, but the county is the one that is responsible for the landfill. There's not enough land left in New Hanover County to build a new landfill. Now, I just want to do a quick fact check here. I checked with the city about um, that that quote he had, 2,000 new apartment units in the past four months. And according to the city spokesperson, it's actually just over 500 apartment units and under 1,000 total housing units for the past four months. I don't know that we've even hit 2,000 for the year so far. Um, I'll say for the rest of his answer, he went on to say he's fine with apartments being built where zoning is already for high-density residential, but he's opposed to changing zoning at all to accommodate more apartments, especially if it's zoned industrial or commercial. He said that we're short on that kind of land. Yeah, and just a quick note about the landfill. Um, Toby's not wrong. The landfill is drastically short. On space, Hurricane Florence put a lot of vegetation debris into landfill, cut years off its lifespan. 
But there is also a huge housing boom coming to the northern part of New Hanover County. So that landfill will be everyone's problem. So he's not wrong, but the landfill issue is a complicated one that everyone will have to deal with. And we actually can have a link on the show page about some reporting we've done about that in the past. I will say he also talked a little bit about the west bank of the river, um, that that's important industrial land that shouldn't be rezoned. Um, And we asked Rob Zappel about the west side of the river for development. He's the incumbent uh, Democrat who's on the ticket here. Uh, And he said that that's not something that it's something they're studying. It doesn't seem like the existing commission is that keen on changing the zoning on the west side, but they're studying it. They're trying to look into it. It's a complicated area to build on anyway. And just a quick disclosure notice here. Rob Zappel is a member of WHQR's board of directors, but he has no editorial say so over this program or our newsroom in general. Uh, And as for the development across the river, uh, the major development that sparked a lot of these conversations, Battleship Point, that's uh, on the stretch of land just north of the battleship, that's actually been withdrawn. So we aren't looking down the barrel of a major development right now. But to Tom Toby's point, that is an issue that the county commissioners are going to have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. We also asked Rob Zappel. He's the incumbent Democrat on the county commission, the only incumbent in the running here, and he's a local builder. We asked him a little bit about green space because he had mentioned in previous forums that he's very interested in green space in the northern area of the county where you're expecting that kind of development. So what was his answer? The county and uh, Cape Fear Public Utility Authority have embarked on a a major infrastructure program in the north part of our county, which is where we have the most undeveloped uh, property there, uh, putting in infrastructure along three main east-west areas there. That is going to bring in more, what I hope is, higher density uh, housing uh, and also commercial uh, development along those corridors. Along with that, I would like to see us balance that with a large open green space. And I'd like to throw out something that I mentioned in one of our previous forums and and recommit to this, that that we pull aside a large area, and I'm talking hundreds of acres, 500, 700 acres, and to create something like a, a central park, if those of you are familiar with New York City that would be set aside up in the northern part of the county before we give that all up to uh, full development. So there's, there's one idea. Also, the, uh, of course, carrying through with uh, what I hope will be the quarter cent sales tax to, to create the funding. That's uh, you know, tw- 10 to $12 million a year that could go towards uh, increased bike trails, m- multi-use trails, uh, and, and pathways that has the uh, ripple effect of creating more open and activity space throughout our entire county. I envision a day, one day, when you can take a trail all the way from the north part, uh, the northern border of New Hanover County, all the way to the south down to Fort Fisher. Much the same way the city does a cross city trail like that. That's all within our reach. And that's how you create green space and a better quality of life. So that was Rob responding to the question about uh, green space being balanced with development. That idea he has about Central Park, like New York City, um, I'm not sure that the county owns any land up there currently, do they? The county does own land. I don't know if they have that much contiguous land. Yeah, 500 Uh, to 700 acres is significant. It is. I mean, Central Park, for reference, is 840 acres, um, 1.3 square miles. It's big. Um, And that is, you know, a shiny example of, you know, urban public parks. But it would take a lot. I think the county would probably have to use conservation land or buy land from current landowners. So it certainly could be done, but it would be an undertaking. 
It would certainly be an undertaking. I wonder what the costs would be associated with that. Um, He made that point about more development in the northern part of the county. And I suppose if you're planning on building a giant park up there, that implies if it's like Central Park, that there would be significant density around that park. I'm not sure that that's how that development has historically gone. If you build a big park on the outlying area of an existing community, you don't typically build significant density around it. But if you zone it, they'll come, right? I think you've said it perfectly. So let's move on and talk about Travis Robinson. He's a uh, lifetime law enforcement veteran. He's a Democratic uh, challenger to be on the board of commissioners. So we asked Travis Robinson a question about health care. On your web- candidate webpage, you have a statement about health care that reads, providing affordable and competent health care to all of our citizens, regardless of their income, is very important keeping the public-private partnerships going to make sure that healthcare and the facilities that house them are equally accessible to all citizens. Can you explain what that means and what that has to do with your role as a county commissioner? It's a lot of different words to explain that the, the county and the city and the government entities can work together for, for funding and for making sure that uh, access to healthcare for everyone is there. Um, so that they uh, can benefit personally from the facilities and, the, and the, the costs that are associated with those partnerships like through Jordan's Clinics specifically. So access means being able to get to the health care. You also say uh, affordable health care. What would the county do to change the very complicated health care system that we currently have? I hope we can talk to our House and Senate um, representatives so they can... Uh, get with the leadership in Raleigh to be able to get Medicaid expansion, to be able to offer um, more monies to come in to allow people to have it available to, to get the care that they need. I just want to reiterate this point because we hear this all the time in conversations about health care from politicians, from health care officials. Access and affordability are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Access just means you have a healthcare facility that you can get to, and that involves you know whether or not you have access to a car or public transportation or it's walkable, and it is super important. And the Michael Jordan clinics that are going in historically marginalized neighborhoods are a big win for the healthcare system, for the community, for the county and the city, which also helped provide you know some of the land for these things. Those are all great things, but affordability is a totally different issue. The American healthcare system is. Ask almost anyone. It's broken. It is way too expensive. The idea of medical debt that bankrupts people is crazy. And so what a county commissioner would do about that is kind of an open question, other than leaning on state legislators. And even then, it's not clear how much even the power of the state could do about the healthcare system. So it's a noble goal, but I just don't know how how reasonable it is to think it's inside the, uh, the wheelhouse of a county commissioner. And that's why we brought it up. I mean, Whenever you see these candidates and what they decide to post on their pages, you need to confirm whether they're kind of virtue signaling for their party, basically. I mean, it's the same thing as um, somebody who's running for city council saying, I support the Second Amendment. That's not really something that the city council has purview over, but it is saying, look, I'm on your side as a Republican. I support the Second Amendment. So when we see any literature like that on a campaign site, we have to kind of ask, what exactly does this have to do with the position you're planning to take? I think that the point that he raised that was pretty interesting was talking to House and Senate representatives about this issue. Um, That is something that local governments can try and do. They can bring that up with people who do have power over those issues. All right. Well, that seems like a good place for a quick break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk about access to the beach towns and lots more fun stuff. 
so stay with us. You're listening to The Newsroom. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the newsroom. I'm news reporter Kelly Knoyer here with Ben Schockman, our news director, and we are rehashing what we heard in the debate for the New Hanover County Commission spots. Uh, we just went over a lot of their thoughts on housing and zoning and development, and now we're going to get into some of the more finicky stuff that have to do has to do with finances. So let's start with Leanne Pierce. She's a Republican. She was previously the mayor of Carolina Beach. We asked her about the county's support for beach towns and whether that's appropriate or it should continue. Um, she initially said it's vital for the economy to support beach renourishment because it supports turtles and tourism, and other residents enjoy the beaches too. So then we asked her whether the beach towns support the rest of the county's residents. How could these beach towns be more accessible to residents of New Hanover County? Uh, Paid parking is expensive and can be cost prohibitive for county residents who pay taxes to fund programs such as beach nourishment. So, um, So I agree. So the beaches are North Carolina Trust beaches are accessible to everyone and they should be. Well, with that said, um, you know, citizens of New Hanover County, I, I have, I, I did not vote, by the way, let me clarify one more time, I did not vote for the year-round parking in Carolina Beach. I was adamantly against that. It was a 3-2 vote. The only two business owners on that board voted against it because we did not believe it was a good thing for off-season charging of parking. And I believe that you're going to see some real hot debates come out of that over, the, over this winter. Um, the beaches are dead right now, I'll tell you that. Um, I do think that um, they should be looking at giving the um, citizens of New Hanover County, a, whether it be an annual pass or it, charge more money, but offer an annual pass uh, or maybe 10 visits. I don't know. I'm, I'm just throwing something out there. Somebody mentioned this at one of the events I went to and I thought, well, that's a great idea. You know, and that's and that's what you get for with listening to your citizens. The lady said, "Well, what if we could just buy ten passes for X amount of dollars, and we use those passes ten times?" I think that's a great idea. So I think our beach towns should look at that. So we're in a unique situation in southeastern North Carolina, specifically New Hanover County, which has a carve out written into state law that allows beach towns to take money from their parking funds and put it into their general fund. Ordinarily, this is illegal. Most of the time, cities and and towns, they can only make as much money from their parking program as they need to run the parking program. So upkeep of parking lots, paying meter maids, whatever it is. But in Wrightsville Beach, they can make more money and put that into their general fund. Uh, Same for Carolina Beach and Cary Beach. In fact, it's so much money that Wrightsville Beach's property tax rates, which are artificially suppressed by using parking revenue, are lower than Wilmington's. You pay less property tax on a mansion in Wrightsville Beach than you do on a house in Wilmington because of the parking revenue. And most of that revenue comes from people who don't live in Wrightsville Beach. Um, and recently, those towns, including and also towns in, in Brunswick and Pender, have explored, you know, charging higher rates. And that's really caused some problem for business owners in Carolina Beach specifically, especially in the off season, because if you run a business in a beach town, obviously, you know, summer is your high season, but you don't want to just shut down and, and close up shop for the rest of the year. So charging parking rates for the rest of the year uh, has been a bone of contention in Carolina Beach. And all of this is really about the relationship between people in the county and people in the beach towns and things like whether or not money from the proposed transit tax should go to projects in the beach towns and whether we should spend, you know, tens of millions of federal money, which is still taxpayer money, 
on beach renourishment, which, you know, does benefit the whole county, but really benefits the beach towns. So that's some of the stuff that uh, Leanne Pierce is getting at. I mean, I thought it was interesting that her her final takeaway was, oh, yeah, it would be really nice for the beach towns to provide 10 passes for a certain amount of money. What should the county do to incentivize that kind of behavior out of the beach towns? Because obviously the beach towns are pretty happy to let an entire third of their revenue come from other New Hanover County residents who don't live there because that's what their constituents would prefer. It's interesting where she landed on that, I'll say. Yeah. And um, I, I will throw a hand grenade and run and just say, I think it is interesting that Carolina Beach has welcomed access via Wave Public Transit and Riceville Beach has not. That is very true. Let's move on. Moving on. Um, Let's go back to Travis Robinson. Uh, I asked him about budget cuts at county departments. As cost of living increases and supply chain issues continue to drive up the cost for county projects, you'll likely be faced with difficult budget decisions. Of all the county departments, where would you seek to cut funding first? I think what I would need to do is know what the current funding and line items for for each budget to sit there and talk to the department heads and see what monies that they have, what their needs are, what are they actually spending things for? Is it the uh, things that they've requested and is an appropriate use of the money? Um, So I think that would help decide where extra monies may be able to go and also looking at the funding sources for the type of money that we can give for specific things. Let's say the school, for example, You know, if there was some Leandro money that came from the court case, there would be $57 million more into the county that wouldn't have to come out of the budget that could support programs and raises and things like that for the schools. Uh, Is there a particular department, though, where you would look for cuts first? Not specifically, no, ma'am. I'll just point out that this is a fairly consistent trend with Travis Robinson, where he will tell you some of the information that he knows about a topic, but not give you his policy view on it necessarily. So here he said there are legal cases that may bring in more funding, but asked specifically, where would you cut for the budget? He didn't have an answer. Yeah. um, All I can say about that is that running for office is not a pop quiz. You know, there are going to be questions about policy and you know, the budget has to be one of those questions. It's one of the most important things that elected officials do is oversee budgets. So moving on, this is a very specific question that we asked of Rob Zappel because he is the only sitting member of the Board of Commissioners who is currently running for election. So we asked him about the county's recent purchase of the Bank of America building. Now, we don't have time to go through all of the backstory, but the short version is this was a project that was kept pretty much completely under wraps. Um, A lot of local stakeholders were involved, including UNCW, CFCC, Novant Health. And the idea is to purchase the Bank of America building and retrofit it as a uh, nursing school to help CFCC generate a lot more CNAs, a lot more nursing graduates and nursing certificates to help fix the problem of the broken nursing pipeline, which has caused absolute havoc at New Hanover Regional Medical Center, including at least one death and a lot of financial turmoil because they've had to pay traveling nurses three and four and five times their regular rates. So the nursing pipeline problem is a very real problem. It's a national problem, but it's definitely one we felt acutely here locally. And so the idea was the county would buy it, but the county didn't do a number of things that counties often do when they purchase property, like a needs assessment, looking around at comparable properties, where can we put this thing, doing an evaluation on the building, an assessment, how much is it actually worth? The county just, the first time most people heard about it was when the county approved the nearly $12 million purchase of it. So what we asked Rob Zappel was, is this fiscally responsible? You, you, you do believe that's fiscally responsible? 
Yes, I do. Okay. I want to fix the problem. That's what we're going for. That's what I want. So that's his answer on it. I mean, we had all of these serious questions. He did say that some of the concerns that you brought up, like whether it's been inspected, he did say that that's something that can go come in the due diligence period. So basically, they've uh, agreed to purchase it, but they can take some time and inspect the building and make sure they're not buying a lemon before they actually go through with the deal. And he's, he basically said that they haven't done that full process yet, but that's part of the process and they plan on doing it. Yeah, there is what's called a due diligence period. The county can walk away at no cost if this ends up if you know the building ends up being worth nine million dollars and they've agreed to take on a contract for 1.8 million dollars the questions that aren't answered that we heard from listeners and readers and our colleagues at wect heard these same questions was if we don't really know all the details of how cfcc is going to scale up its program which means finding nursing instructors which means pulling people away from the you know lucrative career of being experienced nurses and taking a pay cut to teach at a community college, how do you do that? And then how do you recruit students to be taught by those instructors? I'm not saying it can't be done by any stretch of the imagination, but there's a lot of questions that are sort of unanswered that remain unanswered even after the county has bought the building. Reporters in the room may be worried that they are building the plane in the air, right? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, So let's move on. Uh, We've talked about public transportation a couple times in Mm -hmm. the past. We'll have links to all of that coverage on our show page. Tom Toby has historically been critical about wave transit and the leadership there. Historically, he's a little bit more complimentary of the current leadership at wave. But he is questioning of the quarter cent sales tax that would support public transit. So we asked him whether he would vote to approve the quarter cent sales tax if it were to pass. Wave has been a very, very difficult burden on the citizens for quite some time. I've been a city employee for years. I remember Wave having issues 20 years ago. So I haven't been critical. I've just told the truth about what has gone on with Wave through its history here in the area. I am not in favor of a quarter cent sales tax increase right now. We're going into a recession. Uh, Everybody's paying more for all of their groceries, gas, everything is costing more. I do not think that right now is the right time for a tax increase. But if the citizens... If they approve the quarter cent sales tax, then that's what they have voted for, and I will pass the ordinance, just like citizens in North Carolina voted for voter ID, and it keeps getting shot down at the state level, but the citizens have wanted it. If that's what the citizens want, then that's what we'll do. I'll save the comparison to voter ID for another time, but I will say, uh, if you're wondering why do we ask him if he would approve it if it's going on the ballot for the people to vote on, it's because... The way these transportation taxes are set up, even if they're passed by a majority vote on the ballot, county commissioners still have to take another vote to institute it. And a new board of commissioners sat in December after the elections could still kill the transportation tax if they wanted. So that's why we asked. And I will say it is at least on paper a noble sentiment to say, even though I don't like this, if the people vote for it, that's what the people want. And that's essentially the argument that was made. That's why you put it on the ballot. Yes. Um, Moving on now to Travis Robinson, we have this question from Michael Pratz. The experience listed on your campaign website appears to be limited to your job as a law enforcement officer. Many of your competitors have significantly more political experience in a wide range of committees um, and organizations. Why do you think you're qualified to be a county commissioner? Thank you for the question, Mark. Being a county resident, there's a lot of stuff in the community I've done, volunteer work, and I've been on 
numerous special projects and I've traveled around the country doing court security assessments for the national sheriffs and I've done jail assessments. Um, being assigned special projects by the sheriff and other committees on uh, the state and national level gives me the ability to reason and think and educate myself on different variety of topics to be able to best know the answers before I speak, to be able to do what's best with the law and for the decisions I'll make in addition to the common sense uh, related to it. So one thing I want to say here is that in theory, boards usually have one employee, right? So the city council has one employee, that's the city manager who employs everyone else. So on the one hand, we don't look for major administrative experience from our candidates. On the other hand, we do look for people who are used to working with large groups of people because the most effective leaders, whether that's city council or school board or county commission, don't just rely on the superintendent. They also know the issues. They know the people in their government organization who are working on things because ultimately those employees do whatever the board or the council uh, tell them to do. So you really have to understand the issues and you have to have some, some experience. So most candidates come forward and say, you know, based on this experience in my life, I think I'm fit to help run the county. Robinson did not do as much of that in the lead up to the selection. So that's why we asked him this question. And yeah, it was pointed, but you know, I think people should know why people think they are qualified to run for a very powerful office. Yeah, uh, we had a lot of pointed questions. So this is a question our colleague Michael Pratt from WECT asked, uh, and this has to do with allegations that current chair Julia Olson Bozeman made what was effectively a $50 million quid pro quo offer to uh, Coastal Horizons so they would basically silence their objections to the healing place. And again, complicated story. We'll have links on the page. But one of the important points of this story was that initially the county said they had no knowledge of Olson Bozeman's $50 million offer to Coastal Horizons. They later walked that back, and Chris Coudre, the county manager, acknowledged that he did know about the allegations. And he said he initially said um, basically that he didn't know because he didn't have proof. So it was a very awkward and unconvincing semantic attempt to salvage his initial response to us. But basically, it was clear that he did know about at least the allegation. So Michael Pratt asked Leanne how she would feel if she was on a board of commissions and her county manager did that. So here's the question. Knowing that the county manager admitting to knowing about allegations of a $50 million unauthorized offer to a local nonprofit, but appears to not have done anything about it or even conducted any sort of investigation, do you believe county management and the county manager are doing a good job? So whether or not they had knowledge of it, I don't know. None of us know that. We, um, we do. That He confirmed he knew. So, so, okay, so as a county commissioner, the county manager works for the county commission. So that would be a time to go talk to your employee and find out why he didn't do something about it. So, and I, you know, I don't believe um, dragging people in uh, to issues like that. Um, the, and I know the nonprofit you're talking about, which I think is a great one. And I think they're doing a great job in dragging them into um, what has been a very nasty, ugly thing is, is not right. Um, and I do think they should have acted on it. He should have brought it. I don't know whether or not that'd be a question for Rob, whether or not that he brought it to the attention of the other commissioners. So, but, it, but he should have. You know, if that was an accusation that was made, the other commissioners should have been made aware of it. And whether they were or not, I don't know. Great. But I would certainly have questions for my manager if he held that back from me. 
That was an interesting response. Um, It seems like Pierce is interested in seeking accountability. She doesn't seem that familiar with the details of this issue, um, so maybe she couldn't comment on the fly too well there. But this is something that we've wondered about, and she's talked a lot about transparency in government. So I'm curious about what she would do seeing this exact kind of situation, seeing these kinds of concerning elements coming up. Yeah, and I will say... um in Leanne Pierce's time as uh, a councilwoman and mayor of Carolina Beach, they had a number of issues with town managers. In fact, they had a number of town managers. And be- for better or worse, Leanne Pierce was always fairly transparent with the press about these issues um, and was not afraid to call out wrongdoing or mistakes when her town manager made those mistakes. Um, again, not enough time to go down that wormhole, but I will say as a journalist in, in the past, I've appreciated her approach to transparency, whether or not I agreed about what she actually had to say about it. She's not the only one we asked about the Julie Olson Bozeman story. Michael Pratt asked Rob uh, exactly why they haven't done anything to remove Julia Olson Bozeman as the chair of the county commission. Michael, thank you for the question. Um, Julia has uh, many, many issues, and uh, she's unfortunately played it out in the public forum uh, too much, uh, to the detriment of our county, I believe. Uh, and has brought to question, uh, all the way up to Raleigh, the credibility of our our county as well. Uh, As a county commission, we have very little power to remove her from anything. And Michael, you know, you've reported on it uh, a lot. Um, Unless a commissioner either moves out of the, uh, the county or is convicted of a felony, not indicted, not suspected, but convicted of a felony, they are, they are a commissioner. We found that true during the Brian Berger years uh, and actually spent a whole lot of money trying to uh, remove him at that time there. So that, that's not a path. Um, as far as her remaining as the chairperson, uh, I don't believe there was the will of a majority of the, uh, our existing county commissioners uh, to ask for that, but it's my understanding from our legal counsel that we did not have the authority that once uh, to remove her as a uh, chair, she could step down, which uh, I'm I'm sure she has been asked, but she has chosen not to. She's chosen to serve out her term. We have uh, literally one more meeting, which is next Monday, that she'll serve as our uh, county chair. After that, the election will happen, and uh, I guess technically in mid-November, she'll serve over one more meeting, and then in December, um, the new commissioner, one of my associates uh, up here, will, will take her place, as well as myself, I hope. So a couple things here. Um, not a fact check, because Rob is, is accurate for all of this. Um, state law does prevent you from removing a, uh, a sitting county commissioner unless they are convicted of a felony, which would obviously take a long time, or if they move out of their jurisdiction. There is one caveat to that, which he alluded to, um, which was used against Brian Berger, who was a, uh, a county commissioner who was experiencing some mental health and substance abuse issues. The county, uh, led by Woody White at the time, tried to use the process of a motion to remove Berger. This is a process that I believe has been used twice over the last 80-some years, only once successfully, and that was not in New Hanover County. This ultimately ran afoul of the law, and there was, you know, there was a legal fee stacked up. I believe it cost $100,000. It cost a lot, and almost no one I've ever spoken to is eager to revisit that. As far as Julia Olson Bozeman's role as county chair, right now the policy gives you the chairship for a year. They could change that policy uh, and then remove her, but that is, you know, that is a lot of changing of 
policy that some commissioners consider sacrosanct. So I think the big takeaway here that Rob you know, basically said is that there just wasn't the political will to take that kind of effort when Olson Bozeman will be gone off the board in, you know, less than in a month or so. Moving on to probably my favorite question of the night, and this came from an audience member. Uh, ben, you asked Tom Toby, how do you feel about the Proud Boys? How I feel about them is, you know, irrelevant. They have, uh, they're an organization. I've heard about them. I've seen them online. I saw they were at a school board meeting. Somebody actually thinks that I'm a member of the Proud Boys. So, you know, whoever you are, I'm not even a member of Sam's Club. You know, it's one of those things that I just, I don't know where it came from. What we need to be more concerned with is members of our board that are involved in organizations that benefit from them voting on projects that come along. And I know that happens. I know there's members on our board that are members of organizations that are benefiting directly from the votes and stuff that they take regarding projects here. You're alleging self-dealing and quid pro quos? I don't know that I'm necessarily alleging quid pro quo. I'm just saying that there are people that I think should recuse themselves because I don't know how it's not conflict of interest to be a member of an organization or a group that is benefiting. That's that's a a very strong accusation. Can you you provide any more detail? Not at this time. So it's just a vague allegation? It's a vague allegation. No, it's not a vague. There's no specifics, so who do you think is self-dealing? I don't think, I don't know, I can't say that anybody is self-dealing. I'm just saying that I know there are members of the board that are involved in organizations and uh, clubs here in town that make decisions on projects that happen here. That's a that's an incredibly strong allegation to, to make. I don't think I can let that stand in a public forum without without any details. I mean, that's libelous if, if there's no, if there's nothing to back it up. Trying not to be impolite. I'd rather you risk impoliteness than, than cast an aspersion like that okay. with, with no evidence. Um, I was talked to by a, uh, an organization here in town, uh, a builders and developers organization, real estate organization. I know that one member of the board is part of that organization. They told me they were part of that organization. And that that person votes on projects that some of these people can benefit directly from. I don't know if we've gained anything from that explanation, but that's that's our time. So thank you. Kudos, Ben, for hammering the candidate um, about those allegations. Uh, I want to say a couple things real quick. One, um, your podcast or radio is not malfunctioning. That has, was actually the real time pause. Two, I said libelous. I meant slanderous. My bad. Um, but also, I think it's worth pointing out that we asked him a pretty pointed question about the Proud Boys. Um, We've seen people affiliated with them, uh, su- suggest their support for him. Uh, there's a Telegram channel here in New Hanover County that focuses on far-right causes uh, where we've seen a lot of support for Toby. So we asked him about that, and he immediately pivoted to accusing others, although unnamed others, of, uh, of bad actors. So that's why we went so hard on that. We're, we're totally fine. I just want to be really clear here. We're totally fine with people making allegations against their opponents if they have evidence. I think it is... As a journalist, I would love to know if there's, you know, any kind of self-enrichment or, 
you know, anything that's not above board or people who should be recusing themselves, you know, we would be very eager to investigate that. I think what I personally was, you know, frustrated with was the the baselessness and the vagueness of, of the allegation. I mean, if you look at the transcript here, what he ultimately said is that there's basically an organization, maybe a realtor's association, and that people who are part of that association benefit from this from certain projects. So if you work in real estate, which many of the people on the board do and in other government bodies do, then you're probably part of an organization that's for realtors. And then anything that has to do with real estate would be considered problematic by by that logic. So that's worth pointing out for sure. And then I do want to go back to the Proud Boy question because he immediately said, how I feel about the Proud Boys is not relevant. And I think that some voters would disagree, particularly because this is somebody who's getting support from the Proud Boys. It's it's worth asking that question. And he entirely dodged it and then made some swipes at his opponents without having very much to back it up. Yeah, I think that just about sums it up. And I think that's a good place for a break. And when we come back, we're going to have our speed round, which I'm looking forward to. You're listening to The Newsroom. We'll be right back. You're back listening to The Newsroom. I'm news reporter Kelly Knoyer here with news director Ben Schockman. We are going over all of the wonderful things that we heard from the county commission candidates at our forum on October 12th last week. So uh, what's coming up next is our speed round. And we had a couple different questions that we asked all the candidates. We've picked the most interesting bits of it to show you the listeners. But our first question here uh, is related to the hospital sale. What would you like to see done with the $350 million the county received from the sale of New Hanover Regional Medical Center, noting that $50 million is already set aside for mental health? Well, the letter of intent itself, John, has, has specifically mentioned things that the $300 million in the uh, revenue stabilization fund can be used for, um, for crisis such as hurricanes or pandemics for funding to assist in lowering the taxes and the tax burden on the citizens um, when uh, needs arise during economic downturns and things such as that. And then a majority of the commissioners themselves can, can fund specific things if it's four out of the five, a majority vote. So that was our wonderful MC John Evans from WECT, uh, starting with that question for Mr. Robinson, who then uh, set it up very well for the rest of the candidates to talk about what they would spend the $350 million on. Um, Travis Robinson laid out that currently $50 million is being spent for mental health uh, and what some of the options would be for $300 million of what remains and that it would require four out of five of the votes on the county commission to make it happen. But he did not say what he would spend it on. No, he didn't. All right. So up next is Rob Zappel. Uh, John, I think it's mental health and behavioral health, which are, are two issues uh, that you know, are currently very active in our society. At this point, we spent, I think, a little less than $7 million of the $300 million as part of the uh, community violence program. Uh, what I do know is it's going to take uh, an issue that we all can agree, or four out of five. Uh, I was uh, instrumental in putting that guideline in there to make sure uh, that it was something that we all agreed on was a, a real issue that needed to be addressed. Uh, personally, I think that uh, uh, reserving uh, a good hunk of that money, as much as $100 million as an emergency fund, uh, would be a prudent idea for here uh, in New Hanover County. 
Uh, I believe that is kind of what the money is currently being used for. It's a it's a reserve fund. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, until it's designated for something else, it's kind of just there. Um, and it is true that Rob's Apple was key behind making it the four out of five. The one time that it has been opened up was community violence, as he pointed out. It was unanimous. Um, and that came after the New Hanover High School shooting last year. Uh, so it seems like Rob's Apple is relatively satisfied with what it's being spent on now. And he's concerned about it being wasted. Yeah, I think that vote happened in a moment of moral panic. Um, the shooting at New Hanover High School was not the first incidence of violence in a school, and it certainly wasn't the certain in- first instance of violence in our community, but it was very high profile. Um, and as numerous people suggested, including George Taylor, the former uh, CEO of True Colors, it was a high profile act of violence that affected a lot of affluent white people. So it was a lot of pressure on our county commissioners to do something. And Julia Olson Bozeman, the chair, she called an audible. And everyone just sort of went along with it because no one wanted to be the skunk in the room who voted against dealing with community violence. It would be hard to be that person. And it was not until there was a lot of reporting about how this was effectively a blank check for county manager Chris Coudre, who would have no accountability about how he spent this money, that commissioners started saying, whoa, whoa, we need to pump the brakes. And Rob Zappel and Jonathan Barfield Jr. eventually helped dial that back. Uh, we'd like to move on now to Tom Toby, his response on what to spend that $350 million on. I'd like to see it used as a down payment to buy our hospital back. That is going to go down in New Hanover County's history as one of the worst things we have ever done is selling our community hospital. That said, the $300 million that's left, I think, should be invested properly. It could be used in a bunch of different ways to help the citizens of New Hanover County. The thing that keeps coming up and being recurring is housing costs. What, are, what can we do there? Where can that money be spent? Could that money be invested? And I don't know. I don't have all the answers. Could that money be invested to reduce the citizens' uh, property taxes? Because at the end of the day, that is still the taxpayer's money. That was their hospital that was sold without their approval. None of anybody that I have talked to wanted that hospital sold. They all want their community hospital back. They want Novant gone. I'm not sure that that particular deal can be undone at this point, but it is interesting that he brought up the property tax issue. Um, That's something that he brings up quite a bit. He wants to reduce property taxes on the county uh, residents. You know, the there have been other people who've talked about undoing the Novant deal, pressuring Novant to sell to another company. Um, But all I can say right now, based on our research, is that it would be unprecedented and difficult. Right. And it's such a recent deal. I'm not sure Novant is necessarily looking to renege on it at this point. All right. On to Leanne Pierce and her response about what to do with those $300 million. So um, I'm a saver. I don't believe we should run out and spend that money. And I see a couple of uh, county uh, folks in here, and I would say sharpen your pencils first before we dip it in that $350 million. Let's see if we can fund it another way before we use that money. I think that money, and that's why it is a majority vote. That money should not be spent because it's sitting in our reserves. I would, uh, I think that we need to wait and find something. I can't think of anything right now unless it would be some type of uh, possible affordable housing uh, issue that would come up. But um, I, I just can't think of anything. The mental health I can, I can get behind because that is certainly one of the issues in New Hanover County with our homeless population. So I, I can certainly get behind the mental health, but I don't think we should spend it just because it's there. 
interesting that she mentioned affordable housing as one of the possible options. Um, obviously, she thinks that the bar should be very high to dig into this money. But I thought it was interesting that that's something she mentioned, clearly listening to the will of the voters, because this is one of the things that's top of mind for voters for this election season. And again, in a county with one third Democrat, one third Republican and one third unaffiliated voters, you know, you have to look at unaffiliated voters. So you know, on some of these issues, you're looking for things that are more centrist. But I got to say, on the issue of affordable housing, I don't know anyone, regardless of their political affiliation or political apathy, who isn't feeling it acutely right now in the pocketbook when it comes to housing costs. Especially for renters or anybody trying to buy a new home or move in, downsize, anything like that. If you're involved in the market actively right now, you are struggling. Uh, Moving on to the next, speaking of real estate, this is our next question. I'm going to leave it to our MC, John Evans, to ask it. The county has entered into a number of real estate deals that have faced criticism specifically from the state treasurer's office. Among them, the redevelopment of the government center, Project Grace, and the recent purchase of the Bank of America building. So the question to you, ma'am, what are your thoughts regarding the county's real estate decisions? So maybe we should give a little bit more context before we go to Leanne Pierce's answer here. Uh, What is the LGC been and what exactly have their qualms been with some of these real estate deals by the county? So the local government commission or the LGC is part of the state treasurer's office uh, chaired and overseen by state treasurer Dale Falwell, who's been very critical of these deals. The uh, two of them, the development of the government center project, property and Project Grace, both involved effectively lease-to-own projects that would be more profitable for developers because they would be handling finances. So basically, they are leasing the land back to the county, and they're they're literally making some money off the financial transaction because they're taking out the initial loan, so they're charging the county for financing. And another project that's been criticized by Dale Falwell is the Bank of America purchase, which we talked about earlier in the show. If you know any, if you've ever been to an errands or a rent-a-center, you know that Yes, you can get an 80-inch plasma screen TV for $20 a month, but if you add up all of those payments, you have paid considerably more than the market value of that TV. That's what's going on here. There were, in both cases, much cheaper ways to buy the property, which is what Falwell, the state treasurer, objected to. In both cases, the county, they argued that the additional money would be sort of an economic driver, that it would help build development. That didn't fly uh, for either one of them. All right, so let's hear some of Leanne Pierce's thoughts on these transactions. I understand that Project Grace is a no-go right now um, from the LGC, and certainly um, the possible purchase of the building downtown will also be scrutinized by the LGC. Um, I think that to just address that one issue, I think as far as the acquisition of the building, the price point is there. But as far as what it's going to take to upbit the building, I can't say. I understood from the meeting, I was at that meeting, that it was a staff estimate. So I would want to see a construction estimate, cost estimate on that upfit, because I know a lot of times um, uh, the numbers have a large gap in what it actually takes to do the work versus what the original quote was. But by trade, I'm a negotiator. Um, Being a small business owner, I'm quite a negotiator, and I'm very excited to get involved in some of those transactions and see what is on the... We don't know. None of us really know what's presented to our commissioners or what is presented to our manager. Uh, There are a lot of details we don't know, but I'm really excited to get in there and question those details. So I think this is kind of interesting. Um, Leanne Pierce is consistently an advocate for transparency, and it seems like that extends here. 
She's talked a lot about her financial and budgetary bona fides and obviously having run a town council as mayor for several years down in Carolina Beach. She does have experience dealing with budgets and she's been very transparent about the budget down there. So getting into these deals, she talks about being a negotiator. Um, We'll see exactly whether that pans out if she gets elected. What do you think, Ben? Well, um, you know what? I was surprised to hear a candidate say they were excited to be part of these deals, given the sort of general negative sentiment about them. Um, But I will say that there are a couple different takes. One is that, you know, these are good for the economy. One is that this is not something the government should be doing. And another is that there is a middle way, but that the county should be basically a better negotiator. So it seems like Leanne Pierce is taking that middle route. Yeah, uh, that is something that people have brought up a lot. The negotiations don't seem to be very strong on the county side. So interesting. Um, Here's what Tom Toby had to say about the LGC and its investigations into these real estate deals. Well, first of all, I don't think New Hanover County government should be involved in real estate to begin with. If we're not buying a piece of property to be used for county taxpayer use, the county doesn't need to be involved in it. So far, I haven't seen a whole lot of these public-private ventures here in New Hanover County that have worked out really well. And I have a really, really serious case of heartburn over the county wanting to borrow $12 million to spend on a building and then give the building away. That's $12 million of your tax dollars. And we have one county commissioner that is working on this that is already going to be off the board. We have another county commissioner that has the possibility of being off the board very soon. And I don't think that they should be obligating taxpayers to a $12 million bill on a building if then they're not going to be around to be held accountable for anything after the fact. I just don't see the county being involved in real estate deals as a benefit to the citizens of New Hanover County. So you talked about the middle path that Leanne Pierce was taking there. Tom Toby's a lot more on the other side of this. You should not be involved as a county in real estate deals. This is not the role of a county. It should not be the case that they're involved in something that's not specifically related to county business. Um, But it's interesting because we had a different candidate kind of rebuff him um, in response to this answer. Yeah, we gave candidates the opportunity to take part of their time for answering to sort of object or comment on things other candidates said. So here is incumbent Rob Zappel uh, responding to Toby and then giving his own answer. First, let me respond to uh, Mr. Toby's uh, comment there. That's how the Cape Fear Community College works. We uh, fund the building of the facilities and then turn them over to the system. That's why we have one of the best community colleges uh, in the entire state. It's why we have one of the best or the best school system uh, in, uh, in North Carolina. So I, I, that, that's just the way the system works. Uh, and so your county's involved with a lot of real estate all the time. I mean, we can discuss as to whether you agree that it's a good purchase or a bad purchase. But I want to just shift quickly to the LGC, Local Government Commission. I know we've been in front of them for, as you pointed out, John, three uh, somewhat controversial deals. The reality is that we will continue to come forward uh, with them. So it does not benefit us to get into any kind of a, a pitched fight with Dale Falwell, their chair, or any of those members. They're doing their job. We're trying to do ours, and we will work it through. But we want this county to grow. 
So that's candidates Tom Toby and Rob Zappel talking uh, specifically about the Bank of America building. That's what Toby is referring to when he's talking about the $12 million purchase and then giving it away. Um, Travis Robinson also responded to this. And here, the dollars figures he's talking about have to do with exit clauses in Project Grace. An earlier version of the agreement between the county and the developer would have had uh, the county possibly paying out $800,000 if the project was, you know, if it didn't go forward. And a updated version of that basically said if the LGC doesn't approve this, the county will pay $2.5 million, but they will get the plans for that money, and then they can build it themselves with their own developer. So here's uh, here's Travis Robinson responding to the same question. The thing that concerns me is the $800,000 that they could have spent to get out of the deal before the LGC ruled on it, and now it's $2.5 million that we're going to spend to get the plans to go ahead and go through with it. Um, makes you wonder about the discussions with management and the commissioners on who works for who and how things work. Um, whose decision and how that decision came up to do the Project Grace in the first place, to try to revitalize and, and have a new county government complex. And then now it is important to get uh, nursing and an allied health facility. Um, but there's a lot of inner workings that uh, we as commissioner candidates are learning as we go along to know um, who within the county departments will do things and and will seek seek advice and counsel to make the best decisions on a case-by-case basis. So obviously a pretty broad spectrum of views on public-private partnerships, right? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, I'd like to just briefly talk about the closing statements of the candidates before we finish up this episode of the newsroom. Um, Tom Toby again brought out his firefighting helmet and uh, talked about how he's willing to serve people in all parts of the county. Yeah, this was a speech he also made during our uh, our primary election town hall. Yes. Uh, Zappel, uh, he talked about, he basically just told people to get out the vote and to make educated choices about who they choose to go with. Uh, Travis Robinson started walking around um, and asked people to make him not a man of words, but a man of action. And finally, Leanne Pierce, uh, she called her competition, quote, good people, and she commended them for their willingness to serve. She also talked about her ability to build relationships and pointed to her experience as mayor of Carolina Beach to say why she's qualified for this position. I will say I will also express my gratitude for the candidates for coming out. They sat through some tough questions, and I do think they gave the best answers that they could. And that is not easy. If you've never been grilled by a reporter on live uh a live stream on Facebook. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you can throw stones at their performances too much. Uh, we're criticizing their policy points, but we do appreciate their willingness to come and participate. It is uh, an invaluable service that we were only able to provide because they consented. Absolutely. Uh, thank you to all the candidates, and thank you for listening to this episode of the newsroom. And thank you to you, Kelly Kinoy, for helping us all unpack it. Thank you, Ben. Well, that's about all the time we have for this edition of the newsroom. Thanks to our technical team, Ken Campbell and Jonathan Furnell. If you missed any part of this program, you can find it at whqr.org. You can also find it as a podcast pretty much everywhere you can find podcasts. If you have thoughts or comments about today's program or ideas for a future show, especially when we are done with elections, email us at newsroom at whqr.org. I'm Ben Schockman. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us for the next edition of The Newsroom.